campus churches, a growing network of churches that relate to them as well, really becoming a strong voice in that nation for the Kingdom of God. And we've been so blessed by His ministry over the last few uh, weeks into our leaders and to our team. And uh, it's just such a joy. He, he preached an amazing word at the 8.30 service. And so I know you're gonna be blessed. Elam Christian Centre Bonnie, come on, can we stand to our feet? Let's honour Pastor Steve as he comes to bring the Word of God. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Well, it's an absolute honour to be with you and uh, for myself, for Esther. Uh, we've been here almost two weeks. We started off in Queenstown, so we were spoiled. Uh, great weather. We, we were there before the snow came in. And we heard after we let that laugh, left that they were snowed in. And we've been over to Wellington and to Tauranga and then here in Auckland. And thank you to Pastor Luke for making this possible. Our connection is uh, John Glass. John is a good friend of mine and a very good friend of yourself and uh, Elin New Zealand. So really appreciate being with you. Let's pray and then I'm going to have you to be seated. Father, we thank you that you're here with us. It is an amazing thought that the God who created everything the God who lives outside of time but enters time. The one who has no beginning and no end is self-existent. That he's here with us right now, here in this room. We think that's amazing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make your presence ever so near to every individual. Would you help me as I speak? And would you help us all to hear what God would be saying to each of us? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. I won't do a big introduction on my family, but just to let you know, Esther and I are uh, really delighted to be here. We've been married almost, not quite, a few months away, 22 years. Um, so we're excited about that. She never changed her mind, so I'm excited that she's still with me. We have four children. Our oldest is 20 years old, Bethany, and then Sophia, who's 18, Joel, who's 15, and Judah, who's just 13 years old. And uh, as Pastor Steve said, we lead All Nations Church in Wolverhampton. I've been in the same church since I was about 18 years old, and so started as a youth worker and then uh, I have the privilege over the last number of years to be able to lead the church. And I believe God wants to speak to you this morning. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60 and the first two verses says this. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the people's. But the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I, I think that's a pretty exciting verse. I believe it's like thousands of years ago, Isaiah penned it. But it's really relevant for us right now here, four weeks before Christmas 2018, that God would say to you today, arise, shine, your light has come. In other words, this is your moment. Change your posture, get up. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to have Jesus living inside of you. When he's saying arise and shine, God's glory is on you. He's saying God's favors towards you. 
His love is towards you. His peace is available for you. His provision is available for you. It's like arise, shine, God's glory is available for you. That's really good news. And, and Isaiah isn't denying that the days may be difficult. He says, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness covers the peoples. In other words, there's tension and darkness all over our world, all over the countries of the earth. People groups aligned against others and there's tension everywhere. But then he says it again. He says, but the glory of the Lord rises on you. I think that's really good news. In the midst of trial, in the midst of darkness all around us, God's word to his church would be, this is your greatest moment to shine. Stand up and shine. And I've realized we all have a choice. We have a choice whether to allow the darkness, the pressure all around us to encroach our lives, our emotions, our families, our parenting, our marriage. We can live in that darkness that sometimes can feel so heavy in our families or in our world. Or we can hear the word of God to us today where he would say, for you, arise, shine. It's not a denial of what's happening around us. It's actually a recognition that you can receive sustenance, supply, assistance from another source. Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is on you. God's glory available. And I've realized for every human, the choice is simply which reality will I believe? And whichever reality I choose to agree with determines the path before me. It determines the destination I end up having. So I'm going to say it one more time and hopefully somebody will smile at me. Uh, You know, my first time in New Zealand, you're going to help the Englishman. Just an Indian Englishman because I'm Punjabi Indian but born and raised in the UK. So slightly confused, but... (laughs) I'm going to say it one more time. Help me with this. God's word to you this morning would be arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Yeah, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness of people. We all have challenges, but God's grace is towards you. His glory is available to you. He has assigned angels to help you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You're going to win at the journey of life that God has ahead of you. Is that good news? Let me give you one more verse. Let's go to the book of Jude. The book of Jude, we're going to look at the first two verses. And I want you to spot just three words in these two verses. Loved, called, kept. So I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Relax. Everything is going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Isn't that a great way to start a letter? A great way to introduce a message to people. Jude starts by affirming people, reminding them that as believers in Christ, that they are loved, they are called, and they are kept. I love those three words. I want you to remember them at least for the entire day. Maybe some of you will remember them for the week. 
that God would say to you today, you are loved, you are called, and you are kept. I remember when I was 13 years old, I was at a youth camp, and the only reason I went to the youth camp was to get away from being at home. I thought, I'm not going to tidy my room, nobody's going to tell me to do the dishes, I'm not going to, I'm going to purposely leave a mess in the dormitory. It was a very rebellious heart and attitude. But I was just like, I'm, I'm under the kind of control for a, a week. But I didn't know God was setting me up that week. And about four or five days in, I'm sitting about three rows back. There's somebody speaking. And I start to feel my heart taking a faster beat. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. It's, it's God drawing near and saying, I'm speaking to you. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what, why am I? I felt my temperature was rising. My heart was beating. I felt sweaty. It, 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 it was actually God coming close and really letting me know, I love you. You've got choices in front of you but I want you to choose me. That's what was really going on. I couldn't articulate that as a 13-year-old, but it was God drawing close to me. And I found myself standing up as the invitation was given, walking to the front. Somebody prayed with me, and I was overwhelmed by the fact that God loved me. I always knew God loved me, even as a child growing up, and I'd committed my life to Christ. But at that point, at 13 years old, I encountered God's love in a way that I'd never encountered it. And when all the other kids kind of were drinking hot chocolate and playing pool or table tennis just before bed, I I decided I don't want to be around people. I can't figure out what's going on inside of me. So I started to just leave everybody, walk out into the fields. And there I am as a 13-year-old in kind of, it's, it's a pitch black night, just the stars. And I'm walking through the fields, tears streaming down my face. And I don't know what to say. I have no real understanding of anything theological. I've got no clever words. I just feel loved. And I'm telling the one that's loving me, I love you back. I don't know what's happening, but I want to give you my whole life. It was an experience of love that I'd never had before. It was God coming close. And I felt my emotions were going to explode by what I was feeling. So I was telling him, my only response was, I'll serve you. I will live for you. You're the best thing. I don't know what I was saying. It was just like overwhelming towards God because of the way that he was touching me. I I love being married to Esther. I love our intimacy. I love my children and their love towards me. But I want to tell you the truth. Nothing satisfies me or touches my heart or touches my emotions like when Jesus comes close. And do you know that you are created to live in an, in an experience, an abiding experience of his love day by day. It was always meant to be intimate, real, alive. Jesus preached about it in John 15. He called it the abiding place. It's the experience of his love every day. The thing that gets me up in the morning gets me to do what I do is I live close to Jesus. He feels ever so near. And what started at 13, at 44, has just grown beyond anything I could ever have imagined. I mean, day by day, week by week, the encounters of his love are amazing. You were created to be loved and to love, but it all starts by loving and receiving the love of the maker. Jude starts his letter by saying, You're loved. I want to invite you today, not only into a mental acknowledgement that you're loved, 
but into an experience of living in God's love. Even David, the psalmist, says, satisfy us. Early in the morning, satisfy us with your unfailing love. Or Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after you. It's a man in love with God. Or verse 8, as... Um, uh, as water breaks, so your deep course to deep, as the waters are breaking in that sense of my deep, your deep, there's a yearning for one another in my heart. Or Psalm 84, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. When can I go and be with him? And I'm thinking, oh, that's Old Testament. How much more under the new covenant should we be living in an experience of God's love? Please don't settle for anything less than an experiential encounter with God every single day. Some of you are looking at me like, "Uh, you're in the wrong room, mate. No, this is our Christianity. This is what it's all about, is an adventure. When 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 Jesus was preaching in John 17, he said, this is eternal life. And I'm wondering, what is he going to say next? Uh, Praying a prayer? Confessing your need of Jesus, uh, living a good life. No, he says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and your son, Jesus Christ. Knowing God, walking with God, living in the experience of his love is what you were created for. I want to say to you this morning, you are loved. Secondly, you are called. You were called. Uh, uh, 18 months ago, 19 months ago, February 2017, I'm doing some email, and I see an email, and it says, uh, it says it's from 10 Downing Street, and it says, you are invited, and Esther was as well, you are invited to tea with Theresa May, the Prime Minister. So being the very trusting person I am, I hit delete. <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, Right. I deleted the email because I knew if I hit the RSVP link, it's going to come up with, please may we have your bank details. So I was like, I've been spammed before. I'm not going to fall for this one. But you know, about three days later, I'm wondering, what if it was really an invitation? It's just nagging in my head. And I'm thinking, what if it really was the prime minister extending an invitation? So I I went to my trash folder, pulled it out. I sent it to one of my leaders and said, do you think this is real? And uh, he replied back saying, I've checked out the link and it actually does take you to the same address as on the 10 Downing Street events page. So I'm like, okay, so we'll try it. We, I kind of followed their instructions, say I could come and gave some security details that they wanted, you know, passport number, I don't know why, just to get through security on 10 Downing Street. So we are now on the train two weeks later going to London you know, we're suited and booted like tie and hair's been cut and everything is immaculate. In, 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 but in my head, I'm thinking, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get to the gates at 10 Downing Street. So you can't walk into Downing Street. There's security there. And I'm going to say, I'm here for tea with the prime minister. <laughs> and the guy's going to laugh at me and say, you and I mean, whoever else. Uh, so we get to the gate, I'm a little bit nervous, and I say, hi, my name is, is Steve, this is Esther Opal. Um, we're here for tea with the Prime Minister. And he looks on his clipboard, ticks our name off, Ooh. and he lets us through. 
And I'm like, wow. And so we walk through and like we're so dignified and it's so normal for us. We stand outside 10 Downing Street before we walk in, take a quick selfie. <laughs> Instagram it, Facebook it, Twitter it. Why? Because we felt so special that the Prime Minister had asked us to come to her residence. Isn't that a crazy thing? I was called by the Prime Minister. This verse tells me that God has called you. That's crazy. God. I mean, I don't know if you know who God is. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's self-existent. The Bible says he is love. Not that he loves, but he is love. He lives outside of our time, but steps into time. He spoke and the sun came flying out of his mouth. I mean, he's powerful. And he says, I call you. I choose you to be on my team. When I was a young kid at school and they're picking football teams, uh, games lessons, I would always be the last one being picked. Thanks for the sympathy. Yeah. I did give you like two seconds there to kind of help me out, but uh, I, I had asthma very bad. I couldn't run very well. And I'd often be like, and I had no skill at football. And so I'd always be hoping, I, I really hope I'm not the last guy that just by default has to be on that team or that team. I hope somebody would pick me, see some value in me. So I know what it's like not to be picked. And I know what it's like to be picked. But I tell you, being called by God far surpasses by huge, huge measure what any human could call us to. And the Lord Almighty today would say to you, you are loved and you are called. I call you. I choose you. Not because there's nobody else left to pick, but because I want you on my team. I want you to help me. God is saying, to see his kingdom come in Auckland, yeah. beyond. Yeah. He wants his presence to flow through you to the world around you. And he says, I choose you. I love you and I choose you. And then thirdly, he says, I will keep you. And Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 6, it says this. It's actually uh, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So get this, you are loved, deeply loved. Paul says in Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of God? And then gives this huge list of death, demons, angels, famine, the sword, nakedness, trials. He says, no, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You are loved. You are called by him. I think uh, Isaiah 42, the Lord says, I have called you and in righteousness I take a hold of your hand. This awesome God, the picture, I take you by the hand. I pick you for my team. I draw you close to me. And then you are kept. His sustaining power in our lives, his keeping grace. He who begins a work in you will complete it. Now, this is the beginning of Jude. Go to the end of Jude. And it says this. In the, I'll just read verse 24. And now to him. He's closing off his letter. Now to him who can keep you on your feet. Standing tall in his bright presence. Fresh 
and celebrating. So he tells you you are loved, called, and kept. And then he says, and he can keep you standing till the end. So not only is your future secure right now, but you get to the end of your life on earth, and God says your end is going to be a bright end. You're going to finish your race well. You're going to be standing at the end. You're going to be fresh and strong in my presence at the end. My desire, I'm 44 now, however long I have left, let's say I go to 80, 85, 90, I try and live fit, so maybe I've got 100. Help me a little bit. Even at the end of my life, then I finish my race well. I finish it strong. I'm still as bright. I'm full of God's presence. His grace is flowing through my life to my family because God says, I have called you. I love you. I call you. I keep you. And I'll keep you standing till the end. You will finish your race well. Isn't that really good news this morning? Somebody, you need to be a little bit more excited. I could be preaching to you from the book of Revelation about the left armpit of the beast and its significance for the church today. But I'm not. I'm trying to tell you, you are loved, you are called, you are kept. And the same God that loves you, calls you, and keeps you, he's the same God that says, I can make sure you finish your race well. I can make sure your marriage goes good for the rest of the days. I can help you in your parenting so that your kids are raised well. And he says, your story is going to be a good story because I've written it. Every day ordained for you, written in his book before one came to pass. So we could think the second part of Jude 1 and 2. So relax. Everything's going to be okay. But in fact, in verse 3, Jude takes a sharp right turn. And you're like, you can't say that. And in his sharp right turn, he says this. He says... Dear friends, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. I urge you to contend. In the message translation, it says that I have to write insisting, begging that you fight with everything in you for this faith. I'm like, you just told me to rest, relax. God loves me, he's called me, he will keep me. And then your very next verses, I insist that you contend for the faith that has been entrusted to you. Doesn't it sound like a paradox? What do you want me to do, relax or fight? What do you want me to do, rest because God loves me, he's called me, shouldn't I put my feet up and take it easy because God's got it in hand? And Jude is saying no. And and there's this great little quote by an American pastor who says, when God promises that his church will be kept from defeat, his purpose is not that we lay down our sword and go to lunch, but that we pick up the sword of the Spirit, look confidently to God for strength to fight and to win. The, The message title today is Contend. I want you to contend for the fullness of everything God has for you. God wants you to have a great marriage. 
God wants there to be intimacy. He wants you to grow in your knowledge of God together, in the relationship. God wants you to have a great family. God, if you're a single, he wants you to be a whole single and to not be needy, but him to be enough until he brings somebody alongside, if that's your desire. But it's also legitimate to be single, whole, and not want to be married. I believe that, and God will call us all to different things. But if you have a desire to be married, God says, even in that, I'll keep you whole, I'll keep you together. But then he says, now, I want you to contend. I want you to fight for everything that I've got for you. You can't earn it. Jesus bought it at Calvary. Grace supplies it, but we contend for it. You might say, well, why do I have to contend if I'm told I'm loved, called, and kept? The simple answer is you're in a fight. You are in a battle. If the enemy could destroy you, he would. It's God's grace that protects you. If the enemy could rob your intimacy with Jesus... However, busyness, distraction, too many other things, priorities in the wrong place. He will try and destroy your relationship with God, destroy your commitment to the family that you belong to, the church family. He'll try and destroy your parenting, make you too busy for the kids, get the kids distracted by stuff. It's not that the provision hasn't been made. The Lord says, I have everything you need. Now contend for the fullness of it. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 12, he said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful people lay hold of it. I've realized nothing comes to us without intentionally pursuing it. You have to take a hold of every promise. The promises are available, the inheritance is yours, but unless you take a hold of that which God has for you, you may not walk into the fullness of it. I think one of the saddest things would be to live and die and never walk in the fullness of your relationship with God, never maximize the fullness of your natural relationships that God has blessed you with. He needs to permeate all those relationships. Wherever you're at in your marriage or parenting, God's grace is with you if you invite him for his life to start working through all of that. But you've got to contend for it. Contend for it in the place of prayer. Contend for it in your timing. In terms of giving God time. Giving relationships time. Bringing priorities into the right order. All of that is contending. It's fighting for the fullness. We're fighting for the fullness of our intimacy with Jesus. I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied. I love him. But I want far more than I have right now. I want more of his presence. I want to hear his voice more clearly. I I want to walk in New Testament power because it's available. We've seen more healings and miracles in the last few years than ever. But I'm like, God, it's not enough. We're still losing too many people to sickness. You've got to do something. I believe your word. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus. And we contend for the fullness of breakthrough. Lord, what, too many marriages that don't work out. We're contending that, no, we want these marriages to work. And we're asking for grace over them. It's not case, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. No, you have to fight for the fullness. And if you're going to fight for the fullness, you're going to have to destroy some enemies. There's some enemies that you have to deal with in your life. The very first one would be that you deal with the enemy of passivity. You cannot be passive in a time like now. Passive is you're inactive. 
lack of initiative, procrastinating. I know I should read my Bible every day and I'll get to it one day. I know I should be committed in the place of intimacy with Jesus. I'll get to it. Everything flows out of your intimacy with Jesus. Don't procrastinate. Take a hold of what God has for you. Secondly, I think you need to be, I need to be a person that doesn't just live a convenient lifestyle. How many know it's never convenient to pray? It's never convenient to work on my marriage, to have the conversations that are difficult, to be vulnerable, to ask for forgiveness if I've done something wrong. It's never convenient. It's never convenient to parent a child, three years old, they've just poked their brother in the eye, I'm walking out the door. It's easier to say, don't do that and walk out the door than to kneel down for a moment and say, hey, we don't behave like that. That's not who you are. And the reason we don't do that is because of this. And, and it's going to cost you five minutes or seven minutes. But 30 of those conversations over two years, That's right. you, you, you're parenting. Well, it takes intentionality. It's not convenient to do it. It's never convenient to serve God. It's never convenient to serve in your local church. It's never convenient to give to the Lord. But you do it anyway because it's what brings the breakthrough into your lives. So you destroy the enemy of convenience. You destroy the enemy of distraction. I mean, if, if a, a culture could ever be distracted, today's the day. We've got everything buzzing at us, beeping at us, billboards, attractions, new thrills. And somehow we're going to bring a singleness of focus into our lives. And then fourthly and lastly, the enemy of being lukewarm. I tell you, we need a people that are on fire for Jesus. And they're full of love for him. Just over the top in love with Jesus Christ. The creator loves me. He died for me. I want to love him back. I, 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 I can't remember the title of it. A holy, violent, relentless pursuit. Did a four-week series on how God's love was a holy, violent, relentless pursuit of us. He loved us. He came after us. But now we should have that kind of pursuit after him. Indifference in a love relationship is horrible. For one to love the other and they're indifferent to it, I think is really nasty. And yet in the church, so many people are lukewarm towards him. I pray that you'll fall in love with Jesus all over again. And we say, Lord Jesus, help us to see you, the sacrifice you made. We love you. We want you. Thank you that we are loved, called, kept. And thank you that you'll keep us standing till the end. We choose today to contend for the fullness of everything you have for us. Some of you may need to today. Take some time out and think, what does contending mean for me? Let the prophecies, the dreams, the aspirations from the past, let them be breathed into you again. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray for us today. I thank you that as your people, we are loved, we are called, and we are kept. I thank you that there are dreams hidden inside of people here today from you. We don't want to settle for mediocrity. We don't want to settle for second best. We thank you that the supreme creator of the universe today says, I choose you. I love you. You're mine. I break every lie of the enemy, every vestige of shame and regret. I break those chains off you in Jesus' name. 
And I pray that right now you would make a decision empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm going to reach for everything you have for me. I'm not going to settle for second best. I give you my heart afresh. I ask for grace. Would you help me? In Jesus' name, amen. Church, just while your eyes still closed and head bowed, I'd love to pray one last prayer this morning. Uh, I want to extend a very simple invitation to you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or maybe today your life is very far from Him, you've, you've known Him, but if you're honest today, you've been coming to church, but you're, you're far from God, and today's the day to make that decision to get your life right with Him, to get back on that journey, to surrender your life afresh. I would love to include you in a very simple prayer. See, the truth is, friends, that God loves you, God made you, He's got purpose and destiny for you, and we all mess up, we all fall short of God's standard, but in His grace, God sent His own Son, Jesus, to die on a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I would do for our sin, and He extends to every one of us today His free gift of grace, forgiveness for your past, your guilt, your shame, new life that begins right here, right now, hope for your future, and eternity with Him in heaven. And I'd love to extend this invitation. If you're here and you don't know Him and you want to, or if you're far from Him today, but you've known Him before and you wanna come back to God, just pray this very simple prayer with me. I'm gonna pray it out loud. You just pray it in your hearts. You don't have to pray it out loud. I'll pray it out loud. But you mean it. This is your prayer. You mean it with everything you've got. Just say these words. Say, God, today, I surrender my life to You. I know I've messed up. I know that I've sinned but I believe Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Come and make me brand new today. I choose from this day to live for you in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and head bowed, just for a moment, I want you to do something really brave. If you're here today and you made that decision, you said yes to following Jesus just now, you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'm gonna ask you to take one little step of faith. Now, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to stand you up. I'm not going to bring you to the front. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. But I do want you to take one little step of faith. I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer and you're serious, when I get to three, I want you to lift your hand up nice and high. Like I said, we're not going to embarrass you, but I want you to take a step of faith. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just hand up nice and high. Nice and high. I see you on the top there, my man. I see you on the mezzanine. Yeah, I see you down here, brother. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. I made that decision. I want to know him. Amen, amen. Awesome. God, we thank you so much for your presence here today. We thank you for all those who said yes to following you. And we thank you for an incredible word. Lord, we will be a people who will contend for the fullness of the life you have for us. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for those people who said yes to Jesus this morning. Let's thank Pastor Steve for a great word. Church. On your seat.